the Lord Jesus Christ I speak. Thank God that we can enter into the next session. I would like to recap a little bit about uh, 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 Peter, who stood before the Lord renewed. Yeah, it is capturing John chapter twenty-one, verse fifteen to seventeen, the last part, isn't it? Yeah. So we find it that when Jesus asked Peter three times, "Do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me?" Three times Peter had to answer Jesus. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was probing into his conscience. Jesus was cleansing his heart. Jesus wants to rebuild Peter from ground zero. He wants him to be solid. He wants him to be clear. Otherwise, he would not be able to serve God with a good conscience. He had to face his errors with God's grace. So we find it that Peter really grew in the grace. And knowledge of the Lord and Savior, brothers and sisters, do you want to be secure in your service in your salvation? If you do, then you need to beg God. I'm willing. Lead me into all truth about my past, because I know this is part of your grace to save me. It's not surprising. Not many of you have made that prayer, because it's something that we don't think about. But since now we know the Word of God, that we know that we can have this own steadfastness, which is not reliable, and we need to be rebuilt. Then it must be we need to ask Jesus to help us answer that question that He asked Peter. Who is asking us as well? When Jesus asks you, "Do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me?" How are you going to answer it? Okay. So we find it that、um, Peter was grieved, but renewed. The Lord was probing Peter's conscience. He was broken. We can imagine he was attentive to his weaknesses. And he had a profound insight to his limitations. No longer he would say, "I can do it," no matter what your word says. He was afraid ever to brag again, because we knew there was an element of pride in him to deny what Jesus knew all along. So it is important when we stand before God, we stand before. An all-knowing God. Do you believe God knows all things? Yes, He does. But the problem is, we feel we know ourselves. We only know ourselves the parts that we like to see. But we don't know ourselves for the sinful part, unrighteous part of ourselves. We don't. The only way we can see our whole complete self, like Jesus allowed Peter to see his whole complete self, 
is that he had to draw close to Jesus and Jesus revealed to him. That is the only way. Yeah. So we find it that when Peter was standing before the Lord, yeah, he was being renewed. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Can I ask the brothers to read, please? <clears throat> One, two, three, go. Sorry, I, well, we're brothers, okay, so, bit of oomph. One, two, three, go. Yeah, thank you very much for the last crescendo, which is good. Right. So, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. For us, the worst thing to admit is that I may not be able to do it, true? We don't like to admit it. But in order for Jesus to do his work on us, we've got to admit that we can't. Have you ever sung the hymn, Are ye able, said the Master? That's one of my childhood favorite songs. To be crucified. Yeah, yeah, you know it. Okay. And then, and the sturdy dreamers answered. Yeah. What did they say? To the death we follow thee. Right. Wow. That is a powerful conviction, true? Sorry, the way I interpret that hymn is probably different from other people. The first line, the first verse is basically dreamer, sturdy dreamer. Think I can do it. I feel strongly I can do it. Until Jesus does the chorus to remold us. Right. That is why it's important to let the prophetic word of God speak to our spiritual self. The word of God is the word of life that saves us. The word of God is a light that shines in to know our whole self, our mind, our heart. True? Let's turn to Romans. If you look at chapter 1, because this gives us a bit of insight, okay? Yeah, a bit of insight. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. Okay, Romans chapter 1. Let's look at verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, sisters, in... Uh, Voice of unity, one and a little bit clearer and louder. One, two, three, go. Yeah. 
So in verse 21, it tells us these people knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. True? Now, this is the point. After we are baptized, is all our minds out of darkness? After you are baptized, is all of your minds out of darkness? After you are received the Holy Spirit, are you free from any futile thoughts? No. We still have lots of futile thoughts and parts of our mind are darkened. True? Do you know why you can see that is the truth? We can't do all of God's will all of the time. We even get stuck. We even become stubborn. True? I'm trying to point out the fact that we don't even feel a spiritual urgency to let the word of God shine to save our whole person. We don't even have that urgency. So we become passive and not proactive. And then we feel when something happens in our life, we take that as grace. But isn't it a weird way of believing in Jesus when we sit on our hands passively waiting for Jesus to deal with our stubbornness? Isn't that strange? It has to be if we are that interested in the heavenly kingdom, we should pursue with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. So therefore it must be that we need to let the word of God speak into us. We need to beg God to do that. Yeah? So let's come back to the the next part. Okay? So I'm basically highlighting inside our nature we are most of the time based our faith on feeling. Is it true? Faith and feelings. This is how we have been operating. We only do things when we feel like it. This is the great error of being a youth in the faith. I will only do something if I feel like it. But that is not walking in the light of truth. If we know God is the consuming fire, his will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven, no one delaying to do God's will can be sin free. And we also believe Jesus is coming soon. How can it be possible we walk by feeling? That is the deception that we need to come out of. We need to let Jesus lead and we need to push ourselves to follow him and for his spirit to guide us beyond our 
wall of deceptive feeling. Yeah? Change in feeling was not enough for Peter. How do we know this? Well, what did Jesus do for Peter and the other disciples after they repented and after they believed Jesus is really alive from the dead? Did Jesus say, okay, now you believe I, I am resurrected, you know, I came back from the dead, right? Off you go, go and do the holy work, preach the gospel, save as many people as possible. If that was all was needed, then Jesus would have done that. But we know that Jesus did not do that. Let's turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 45. Okay? Now, in Luke chapter 24, this is the context. Jesus had died and resurrected and appeared to his disciples. And then what did he do? He pointed to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning himself. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So what Jesus had to do was that he needed to open their understanding so that they can see the truth of the prophecies in the scriptures. Feeling without revelation of the scriptures was not enough. So therefore, Jesus opened their understanding. Can I ask you a question before I go on? How many of you have read a scripture for many years, one day that scripture opened up and you realize, why didn't I read that particular verse in that particular way? Have you experienced that before? Have you? Okay, brother, what's your name? Brandon. Huh? Brandon. Brandon, what was that verse for you? Sorry? I'll give you a lots of moments if you want. <laughs> but it will be limited. Anyone? Who, who, who put their hands up? Anyone? Have you had that experience? Now you know I'm going to ask you so you don't put your hands up. You guys are horrible, you know. Come on. Yeah? Anyone? Anyone remember that particular moment? Yeah? Sister Afia? First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. Let's turn to it. Okay, so what, what about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9? What did you did not know before and then what did you know afterwards?
Okay. okay. So that adds another level to your understanding what you thought it said, and now it says even more. Yeah? Now, the reason why I'm giving you this question, because I'm teaching you how God feeds us. Now, Sister Afia, did you find that moment joyful? Very joyful. And you would go around sharing it when the time comes, isn't it? Because it's real, it's true, it touches your soul, it feeds your spirit, and that never leaves you ever again, true? This is what Bible studies needs to be filled with, yeah? When you're studying the Bible, it is a spiritual activity where God is involved in your faith in real time. Studying the Bible is not an intellectual exercise where you figure out yourself. What is the Bible verse to tell us that is true? Apart from Luke chapter 24, 44 and 45. What are the Bible verses tells us? When we read the Bible, we need Jesus right there, right there. Anybody? Let's turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Acts chapter 16, verse 14 talks about a woman called Lydia, and she worshipped God. And when Paul was speaking, what was the Lord doing? The Lord opened Lydia's heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So no one can understand the scriptures, no one can understand the word of God unless Jesus opens our heart. So therefore, I just want to clarify, when Sister Afir was sharing, was sharing about her upgraded understanding of that verse, it wasn't that she was lucky, it wasn't the fact that she wanted to know more, it was the Holy Spirit that opened her mind. Yeah, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Who is the one that reveals to us? The Holy Spirit. So if you try to read the Bible without a prayerful heart, you cannot understand it. The moment you admit, Lord, when I read your Bible, I don't get it. That is the starting point when you start to beg God, Lord, I humble myself. I tell you I cannot understand it. I need you, the Holy Spirit, to guide me to understand what your word is really saying. I need you to enlighten me. Yeah? Enlightened. Right? Now, 
Before I continue, there is a precursor we need to do. Let's turn to Psalms 19, verse 8. Psalms 19, verse 8. Psalms 19, verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So what does this tell us? When are we enlightened? When are we enlightened? It's when we are willing to receive the commandment of the Lord. When we are willing to receive it and to do it, then God will enlighten our eyes. True? Have any of you realized there was a part in our life as we were coming to church, we just came to church for the sake of coming to church out of routine, true? But then one day we were told we need to observe the Sabbath day to sanctify our hearts, to acknowledge before God, before God this is the holy commandment and is to do with our salvation. Now when we received that teaching in our hearts, what happened? Our eyes were enlightened. We saw the Sabbath day in a totally holy way. This is what studying the Bible is all about. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to enlighten our eyes so that we can see things clearly, spiritually, in the holiness of God. When you come to church, will you have a barbecue in this chapel? You dare not, isn't it? Why? Because you have been enlightened. This is where we worship God. This is a holy place dedicated to pray and worship and God is here. Amen. So, since that is true, when we are studying the Bible, we are asking the Lord to enlighten our eyes to see things in a spiritual way so that we don't become unwise, so that we are clued up what is God's will. Yeah? Let's turn to um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, 14, and verse 17 and 18. I'm sharing with you how to rely on the Holy Spirit and the truth to be enlightened. Yeah? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So, verse 13 and 14 tells us, once we have received the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, 
we are meant to be able to trust and believe in Jesus completely. Yeah? And basically what's supposed to happen, according to verse 14, is that we're going to work with the Holy Spirit so that we are going to be totally saved, raised from the dead, ascend to heaven and be with Jesus forever. And the whole purpose of our heart is to the praise of his glory. Yeah? So the Holy Spirit is supposed to guide us to do all of God's will and we will be saved. And when we are saved, all glory be unto the Heavenly Father. True? Right? Now the thing is, the Ephesians receive the truth, receive the Holy Spirit, but their eyes had to be enlightened again. Yeah? How do we know this? Let's look at verse 17 and 18. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Here we can see that Paul had to ask the Father to give the Ephesians the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, etc., etc., so that means even though they had the Holy Spirit, they became blind. They had the literal knowledge of the truth, but because their heart was departing from the truth, they couldn't see God's will. Is that clear? Yeah? So today, what is the point? Today, when we are following our feelings, yeah, and when we open the Bible, we hear the word of God, we can't hear properly, and we don't understand the truth completely, we need to admit to God, Lord, I need you to enlighten me. Yeah? Remember, if you really want God to work in your fellowships, you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You need to be cleaned. You need the Holy Spirit to intervene in your life to descale your blind eyes and for you to realize this is the meaning of God's word. I've given the examples, right? And that is the desire that we need to have. We just say to God, God, you know what? I've been reading this passage so many times. I don't understand it. I beg of you. I know my heart has not been relying on you. Please feed me so that I can share and others become strong. You are our Savior. We need your word. In our fellowship, we really need your word. Your word is our food. It's the hidden manna. We can't see it, Lord. I don't want to stay in the famine in the, in the, according to the prophecy of Amos chapter 8. Do you know the prophecy of Amos chapter 8? No? Let's turn to Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. Verse 11 and 12. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. 
Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Verse 12. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Why is it that these people, when they are seeking after the word of the Lord, they shall not find it? It's because of their heart towards God. So therefore, repentance is part of the way for us. Repentance before God is saying to God, God, you know what? My attitude towards your scripture, your will, your salvation was wrong. I admit I have been totally wrong. I have been ungodly when I've come to service or Sabbath day or holy work. I've been wrong. So when you let God's work dictate how you do things, then that is when God will open up the window and he will pour forth his wisdom into your heart to understand his will. Okay? So let's come back to changing. Changing feeling was not enough. According to Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 45, we find that Jesus spent the best part of 40 days before he ascended to heaven to open the understanding of his disciples so that they can understand the scriptures. Yeah, let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Now, when you look at verse 1 to verse 3, I've highlighted in bold letters the first part of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, right? But then if you look at verse 3, speaking, Jesus, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Yeah? So therefore, <coughs> verse 1 is talking about volume 1, which is the book of Luke. Yeah? Gospel according to Luke. The speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, right? Is after he died and resurrected, he explained more about things pertaining to the kingdom of God, right? So in order for Peter and the rest of the disciples to do God's work, did they need to know God's plan? They needed to know God's plan, true? Only when they knew God's plan and the prophecies, then they are equipped, they know what to do. Yeah. So now we can see Peter had to be steadfast in God's doctrines. Yeah? So what was happening just now when we were reading in Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, Jesus was establishing Peter's understanding in God's doctrine. Yeah? That was the most important thing. Let's turn to John chapter 7 verse 16 to 17. Now the word doctrine means a decree, yeah? command, yeah, so it's actually doctrine is God's will. Yeah, so let's look at John chapter 7, verse 16 to 17. Jesus says, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. So when Jesus was in this world, 
Whose doctrine did he teach? God's doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. So now we ask this question, whose doctrine did the apostles teach? Did the apostles teach their own doctrine? If you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, after they received the Holy Spirit, they preached to the 3,000. 3,000 received the Holy Spirit. The whole church of 3,000 odd members, what were they doing? And they continued steadfastly. Oh, sorry, I forgot to share. No wonder people may be a bit lost. Okay, better. Okay, so in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, when you look at John 7 and Acts chapter 2, it seems two doctrines. But if you look into Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, it's the one doctrine. So God's doctrine was passed by Jesus to the disciples, the apostles, and the apostles passed this doctrine to the new believers, to the whole church. Yeah? Now, why was this important? Yeah? Why was this important? Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Yep. This is how a spiritual fellowship is founded and will grow. Right? Now, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And then in verse 43, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So can I ask you guys a question? When did the fear of God come upon every soul? Was it before they witnessed many wonders and signs were done through the apostles or afterwards? Was it before or afterwards? Anybody? When did the fear came upon every soul? Sorry? Before, right? Okay. Since it's before, why was it that they were able to have the fear of God come upon every soul? Because of the doctrine that they had, right? Yeah? Okay, brothers and sisters. If I say this to you, and you all know this, right? If you don't observe the Sabbath day, can you go to heaven? No. If you do not observe the Sabbath day properly, are you made holy? No. 
So therefore, it's very strange, isn't it? When you hear the truth like that in your heart, there's a sense of fear, isn't it? There's a fear and says, I cannot not do it. I have to do it properly. True? So when we are established on the doctrines, the truth of God's teaching, we should have a sense of fear, I've got to do it or else. This is how God brings us into a holy fellowship with him. True? Let me demonstrate that that is true. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. Let's look at verse 1 to 3. Brothers, can you read Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 to 3? Verse 1 to 3. 1 to 3, go. Is this just a story or is it the prophetic word of God? It's prophetic word of God for us, right? So it's describing how we should serve and approach God. Otherwise, whatever happened to Nadab and Abihu will happen to us. True? Now, when you think about it, what was the mistake that Nadab and Abihu did? They offered profane fire before God. Maybe you do not understand what it means, profane fire. Yeah? Profane means unholy, unsacred, not what God had commanded, according to verse 1. True? So the mistake of Nadab and Abishu, they just did the action, took the censer, put fire in it and put incense on it and offered it before God. They didn't care whether it was according to God's prescription. Yeah? So what was the principle, the spiritual principle that Moses brought out in verse 3 that God says by those who come near me I must be regarded as holy and before all the people I must be glorified so the mistake of Nadab and Abihu was that they were serving God without paying attention to do according to God's prescription. 
They didn't see the work of offering the censer, uh, the fire and incense, da, 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 as a holy thing. They just did it anyhow. They didn't do it with the fear of God, making sure they did it according to God's prescription. True? Okay, let me ask you a question. If we decided to do Holy Communion, right, using biscuits and Coca-Cola, right, how would you think? You would say, what are you doing? That is desecrating, that is destroying the truth. True? You know, if we started to do that, we will be condemned, true? No matter how you think about it, we will be condemned, right? So there's a certain fear that holds us back never to even think about doing such a thing, right? So this means that when we are established on God's doctrine, we are discovering more and more of God's will that we need to be upgraded on to keep it and do it. This is the right way we keep ourselves safe in God's will. If you have fellowship, like Acts chapter 2, verse 42, if your fellowship is established in the apostles' doctrine and you fellowship based upon the doctrines, the teaching of God's will, then I tell you, God will enlighten you, God will strengthen you, you will find your fellowship will be more and more God-fearing. Because you're not seeking after something to talk about, you're seeking after to do God's will to be holy before God. If salvation is your reason why you're gathering, God will answer your prayer of two or three people. He will enlighten you because you are choosing to be established on God's doctrine for salvation according to the spiritual prescription laid out in the Bible. So how did Peter demonstrate he was ready to be used by God? How did he demonstrate? Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. So after Peter was taught in Luke chapter 24, Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 1 to 3, when we look at verse 4 and Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, we can see that Peter kept the command of Jesus. He actually kept the command of Jesus. But that was not the only thing that he did. What was the second thing that he did? Peter saw clearly God's will in the scriptures. Now when you read Acts chapter 1, 15 to 22, had he received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1? No. He only received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But what does Acts chapter 1 verse 15 demonstrate? Peter realized that God's will was in the scriptures. So Peter went through the scriptures 
and discovered clearly God's will. And what did he do? Peter was led by God's word and everyone saw the truth of the scriptures. So in verse 15 to 22, Peter said to the rest of the disciples, this is what the Bible says, this is what we must do. So if we want to be used by God, we need to go through the whole process, develop a healthy mentality towards the scriptures, and let God's word guide our fellowship, guide our spiritual walk with God. Yeah? So Peter understood the need to do what they have seen to be clear and true. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 24 to 26, what did Peter do? Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 24 to 26. 24 to 26. Everyone agreed that they should pray to the Lord and ask God to choose which one should be chosen to fill the 12th position. And then Peter became steadfast in God's words. Peter became steadfast in God's words. How do we know this? When we turn to Acts chapter 1 verse 16, he says, this scripture had to be fulfilled. Yeah? And then in verse 22, he says, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Peter had this healthy mentality to look into the scriptures, to realize that the whole scripture must be fulfilled. And as far as he could, he understood with the rest of the disciples what they must do. Yeah? So today as a youth fellowship, when you read through the scriptures, when you study it, there are bits that you will understand and there will be bits you won't understand. True? So what you need to do is this. Believe as far as possible ascertain in the passage you're reading, in the topic you're studying, what is the clear will of God that we need to do. True? Now, when we say, when all of us discuss it, and we say, this is the will of God, we shouldn't be like that anymore. We should be like this. Instead, this is the will of God. All of us gathered in the name of Jesus see God's will according to the truth then we establish that. Yeah? We must do this. I bring back the Sabbath example. We say, we reflect, you know what? I've not been keeping the Sabbath day properly. Friday evening, after I come back from work, I just want to relax in front of the TV with a cup of cocoa in my hand, and I just want to do my own thing. Do you do that as well? We don't feel good now, do we? So now we establish, we cannot do this anymore. The scripture must be fulfilled. We need to fulfill the scriptures. 
the Sabbath day must be fulfilled properly. Does that make sense? So once you do that, that is God's will moving inside your heart. You are moving nearer to God. Yeah, let's turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Where did Peter get this kind of conviction from? Let's turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. 44. Remember, this is before Jesus ascended and Jesus was teaching his disciples. Yeah, verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Everything must be fulfilled. Do you remember in the Gospels in Matthew? Yeah, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law, isn't it? Yeah, so that means Peter was already schooled up now. He realized that everything in the Bible must be fulfilled. True? So today, if you want to allow your fellowship to be word God-centered, you've got to look for and ask God to guide you all what is God going to fulfill. Once you know what is the will of God he will fulfill, all of us need to make the decision, do I want to conform to that will? Once we have understood we must do it, then our fellowship is God-centered. Yeah? So we find it that all things must be fulfilled was as a result of being taught by Jesus the right attitude towards God's scriptures and that is why Peter was able to have the wisdom to understand the scriptures. Even more so after Peter received the Holy Spirit. True? So it must be all of us having the truth and the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We should believe that God will guide us into all truth. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 17 verse 17. Revelations chapter 17, verse 17. Revelations chapter 17, verse 17. There's a bit of phrase at the end of verse 17 that says, let's read the whole thing. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the priest until the words of God are fulfilled. Now, when you read the context of verse 17, it seems a bit very strange, right? Because God put it into the hearts of these people who are deceiving and being deceived to be of one mind. Right? Why? Because everything in the words of God is going to be fulfilled. Those who are holy will be holy. Those who are unholy will not be holy. Those who believe in the truth will love the truth. Those who do not love the truth will not be saved. Does that make sense? 
Now, when you understand that is the two clear separate groups, are you not going to be very urgent, prayerful, begging God, God, I don't want to be part of the beasts, the false prophets, those who are going to be condemned. I don't want that side of the word of God to be fulfilled on me. I want the promises of eternal life and salvation to be fulfilled on me. Teach me what I must do to avoid that catastrophe. So during the course of Peter's ministry, was he tested further and to grow? Yes, he was. How did Peter grow in grace and knowledge? Okay, now when we come to Galatians chapter 2 verse 14, Peter made a slight error of judgment. So let me give you a brief, brief background, right? So at that time, Peter enjoyed fellowship with the Gentiles, right? But don't forget, Peter was a Jew. Jews were not meant to mix with the Gentiles, right? So then the problem was there was a group of people that came to Peter and in that, that thing, right? So Peter... I'm just going to describe it like this. It seems that Peter was having coffee with the Gentiles, right? Having a really nice time. And suddenly he realized, uh-oh, these hardliners, right, are coming. He was afraid of them, right? So he knows what they're all about. What does Peter do? Peter gets up from his seat and says, okay, sorry, sorry. I, nope, nope, no, I don't know these Gentiles. I wasn't having coffee with them, Right? Now, you may say, what was wrong with what Peter did? Well, the fact that Peter was a leader in the church, when he acted that way, he was causing the Gentiles who were baptized to doubt whether they were saved or not. It's as if when Peter withdrew from them, it gave them the false impression they were still unclean. So Paul, when he saw what Paul, Paul, when he saw what Peter was doing, what did Paul do? According to verse 14, Paul rebuked Peter. If you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles, not as a Gentile, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Now if you were Peter, getting told off by Paul, would it be easy to take? No, because Peter was one of the original 12. Peter spent three years with Jesus, Paul did not. Here comes a newbie, Paul, telling Peter off, true? But we thank God did Peter take Paul's rebuke as an insult? No. How do we know this? Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. We can see here that Peter in his writing describes Paul as a what? A horrible brother? No. Verse 15, beloved brother Paul. So did 
Peter grow? Yes, he did. He took the rebuke, was corrected, stands corrected, and he grew further in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Amen. So therefore we find it that Peter, even though, yeah, even though he had gone through the weeping and then the repentance, etc., etc., being taught the scriptures and even said to do many things, suffer many things for Jesus, but when he was rebuked, he received that rebuke and he grew further, right? But penultimately, to what extent did Peter grow to? Let's turn to John chapter 21, verse 18 to 19. Here it talks about Jesus' prophecy about Peter. Prophecy about Peter, how he would die for Jesus. When he was younger, yeah, he would gird himself and walk where he wished. Jesus says, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. So basically, Jesus was prophesying, saying to Peter, what death he would glorify God. So this is the extent by which Peter grew in the knowledge, in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. He was willing to die for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do we want to? Yeah? Do we want to do that? So the last part I leave with you is that the Lord promised Peter, despite his past faults and failings, Jesus said to Peter, you will glorify God in your death. Isn't that a great blessing? Brothers and sisters, when you see your shortcomings and you're humbled by God, see it as part and parcel of the way that God is going to perfect us. Amen. Let us bow our heads in silent prayer. Amen. We thank God. Let's take a break for five minutes.